Hello, everyone. My name is Maria Thomas, and I work for Allianz Research, the global team of economists, strategists, sector advisors, and foresight experts of the Allianz Group, led by Ludovic Subron. Welcome to Tomorrow, a podcast where we'll be talking about our latest analyses of economic and capital market developments, as well as our views on trends affecting risk management. Let's get started. In this era of quantitative easing, there's a pervasive belief in capital markets that it's the quantity of money put into the economy by central banks that matters the most. Because people have to put their money somewhere, whether it's bonds, equities, or alternative investments such as cryptocurrencies. But there's one factor that's often overlooked, the velocity of money. In this episode, we find out what this concept means and why it really matters with Eric Bartholomew. Head of Capital Markets Research at Allianz. Hello, Eric. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, Maria. So first of all, can you explain for our listeners this concept of money velocity and why it matters? Well, this concept of money velocity is actually quite an old concept. Um, if you look back at the uh, early economists in the 18th century, they were saying two things. First, that the quantity of money matters. Right. which is an idea which is very present in today's discussion about quantitative easing. Okay. But they were adding also that uh, there is another dimension to uh, monetary phenomenon, which is how frequently and how fast money is changing hands. Okay. And uh, it's the product, actually, of uh, the quantity of money times the velocity of money, which measures the uh, impact of money on uh, economic activity and uh, the nominal value of transaction, broadly speaking. So uh, money velocity is important to bear in mind because it's the second dimension of monetary phenomenon, and it's a dimension which is which over time has become overlooked, uh, especially since the uh, 1960s and the works of uh, the famous American economist Milton Friedman. Okay. And so is it the same across all markets or is there a difference between the velocity of money in the real economy and in capital markets? There is definitely a difference between the two. Um, the um, concept which is... Um, used most often is the concept of income velocity of money, okay. uh, which is how frequently uh, money is changing hands in the real economy, so in the markets for goods and services. Uh, and you also have a concept of uh, the transactions velocity of money, okay. which uh, would uh, encompass uh, transactions in the real economy if if we were also considering intermediate uh, transaction, uh, intermediate consumption in the real economy, and which also includes um, transaction in capital markets. Okay. Uh, as, as you probably know, uh, GDP uh, doesn't measure uh, or is not impacted by all the transactions which happen in an economy. Uh, and typically, financial transactions are not taken into account in, uh, in GDP. Okay. 
And so in a recent report, you looked at money velocity in Chinese equity markets, right? So can you tell us why China, first of all, and what exactly did you find? Uh, why China? Um, well, the problem in today's world is that um, we don't really know what money is, <laughs> especially especially in uh, very open economies like uh, like the U.S. economy or the European economy. Okay. And uh, secondly, uh, because of uh, the increasing um, use of OTC trading, um, the transactions volume which are reported on stock exchanges, for example, on the New York Stock Exchange, uh, only represent a fraction of all the financial transactions which take place. Okay. And these two... Um, characteristics uh, are, uh, we believe, less present in China uh, because it's still a rather closed economy compared to our economy. So the definition of money in China is less liable to uh, imperfections, <laughs> let's put it this way, okay. than, uh, than in the US or in Europe. And secondly, um, uh, OTC trading is uh, much less uh, developed, we believe, in China than in our markets. So what, what I'm saying here is that in the case of China, we have, we think we have better quality data. This is why it's interesting to look at uh, Chinese data. So what, what have we learned from uh, looking at uh, Chinese data? Um, we, we have learned that... Uh, the velocity of money in the Chinese equity market is very much uh, pro-cyclical, which means that uh, during a bull market, it tends to increase, and during a bear market, it tends to decrease. Uh, and secondly, uh, we have found that uh, the velocity of money in the Chinese equity market is very much uh, influenced by uh, past uh, movements uh, in uh, in equity prices. Uh, the idea here is that um, when people see uh, equity prices uh, rising, uh, their confidence uh, increases and they are more inclined to trade. And therefore, uh, money velocity increases. So wh why does this matter exactly? What's the, the risk associated here? Well, it matters because um, I think it's fair to say that in today's capital markets, because of all uh, the noise or the fuss about quantitative easing, tapering, and so on, I think there is a belief that the only thing which matters is the quantity of money. And okay. uh, the Chinese data are suggesting uh, something else, actually. Uh, just to give you an idea, uh, between the uh, trough and the peak of the velo uh, money velocity cycle in China, um, the ratio is 30 to 1. So it's okay. a huge volatility in the velocity of money in capital market. Uh, uh, sorry, a volatility which is far more important than uh, the volatility of the quantity of money. And um, central banks do have 
some control on the quantity of money because they are printing it. They have less, much less of a control on the velocity of money because it depends on uh, decisions taken by uh, millions of people. Right. And so it's it's what we wanted to 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 say is just to remind people that uh, there is a kind of elephant in the room, if you will, called the velocity of money, which uh, I think most market participants uh, tend to overlook. So finally, what did you say this really means for policymakers and investors? What's the takeaway? Well, for investors, I think it's a reminder that, um, or let, let, let me start from a different point of view. I think the word liquidity, mm-hmm. um, which is um, used time and again in, in capital market, it, it is a very dangerous word okay. because it uh, designates both uh, a stock, a stock of money, and also a flow of money. Uh, and with the flow of money, I'm referring actually to the velocity of money. And when you use the same word to designate two different things, you run the risk of misinterpreting um, data and uh, observations, if you will. Okay. So this is, this is uh, I think it's important for investors to remember that uh, you may have some very important fluctuations in the velocity of money, even when the quantity of money is relatively stable. And actually, we we have found an interesting uh, example of such a situation, uh, looking at the behavior of money velocity in the United States in the 1920s, in the run-up to the uh, 1929 crash and after the, the, uh, the, the 1929 crash. Okay. So uh, that's for investors. Um, for policymakers, I think it's... Uh, I don't know how to answer your question, honestly. Um, because because uh, they don't really control uh, the velocity of money. I mean, they, they have some influence on it. Uh, if they uh, create a situation in which people hold more money, more money balances than they wish, Mm -hmm. then you should expect people to uh, try to get rid of these excess money balances, which they can only do by putting these excess balances into someone else's pocket. (laughs) (laughs) But you see that um, it's, uh, it's, it's a far more complex situation than uh, the famous uh, helicopter money uh, uh, image, uh, which has been uh, conveyed by uh, essentially uh, Milton Friedman and his uh, pupils, like Ben Bernanke, uh, since, uh, since the great financial crisis. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Eric. Speak to you next time. Thank you so much for listening. You can find the full report we just spoke about on our website. We'll leave a link in the show notes. If you'd like to discover more of our research, you can also follow the Ludonomics newsletter on LinkedIn. We'll leave a link down below for that too. If you like the podcast, please send it to any of your friends who might like it too and leave us a rating and a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. 
In the meantime, stay tuned for the next episode.